You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Anyways, uh, I'm excited you're here. I, I'm believing that God has really uh, given me a word that I want to encourage you with this morning and empower you as we step into new seasons. If it gets too hot, Gianna, will you put the ACs on hold at a nice, cool level? Will you be in charge of that? Okay, amen. Everyone celebrate Gianna for that this morning. Amen. Let's pray. for. If you're watching and you're not from Arizona, it's basically the surface of the sun, and uh, we've got a lot of new converts this time of year. <laughs> And so it gets a little warm in here. But let's pray together as we read the word and dive in this morning. Lord, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are with us here today. And I pray that as we open the word of God and as we walk through that together, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. So we just commit this time, Holy Spirit, we yield these moments to you. And we ask that you would lead us and guide us and transform us. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. Uh, how many of you guys are fans of the zoo? Any zoo fans in here? Give it like a woo. Give me something here. There we go. Wow. <laughs> Not a lot of love for the zoo. First service, loved the zoo. Second service is like, yeah, I'll take it or leave it. It's kind of whatever. Aquarium, I would have been like, yeah. But no, zoo, it's getting like, eh, whatever. Right? <laughs> no, the, I, I like the zoo. I have, a, I have a membership. My favorite thing about the zoo is when it's nice and cool, I pick up my kids from daycare, I take them to the zoo, and I just let them run wild because they're the least dangerous thing in the zoo. Right? And so, that you, like, my kids can't break the zoo. It's amazing. And so I just let them loose, and they have fun, and it's a closed environment, and uh, it's amazing. Uh, but I'm always interested at the zoo because you go around and you're like, how did all these animals get here at the zoo? Because sometimes I feel bad for the animals that they're at the zoo, if I'm going to be honest. But then you read, and a lot of the animals at the zoo are there because they've been injured, right? And, it, and, you know, they have like a broken wing or this, you know, this eagle was brought over from this or this. And I said this in first service, and I still stand by it. I think that the animals at the zoo need a backstory. I think it would make the zoo way more fun, right? Like, this capybara was run over by a dirt bike in wherever capybaras live. I should have picked a less obscure animal for my first animal. <laughs> you know, like, don't you think that would be way more fun? Like, this bald eagle was shot by a communist. <laughs> right? That would be fascinating. You'd be like, how? Why? Is it I ideological? I don't understand. That would be amazing. Um, I think it would be good. Uh, the, the amazing thing about all these animals is that all these animals are brought in because they're injured to the zoo, but so very few of them ever leave the zoo. And it's not because zookeepers are like, you're mine now, you're here forever. It's because it's actually really hard to release captive animals into the wild. Uh, there was a series recently, you might have seen it on Netflix, about tigers. And, uh, you know, you can look it up yourself if you have no idea what we're talking about. Welcome to 2020. That was this year, in case you're wondering. That, that happened just months ago. I know that feels like an eternity ago. Uh, but uh, I saw someone talking about all the tigers because there's, there's more tigers in captivity in America than there are in the wild. So just in America, there's more tigers in captivity than live in the wild. And someone was like, well, why don't we just release all of those tigers in captivity into the wild? And so I was like, man, I wonder if that's even humanly possible. Like, if we could do that, release all these animals. And so I looked up, like, what is the percentage uh, of survival rate for animals released, or success rate, I guess survival would be success, of animals released into the wild. We take all of the tigers, we put them out in the wild, what's the success rate? And I read it's about 30% success rate. 
Now, that's for, like, big animals. I don't know what it is for, like, bugs and stuff. But large animals, about 30%, 30% chance of success to be released. And the problem is, if you take a really big, I'm going to move uh, music stand uh, here. But if you take, like, a really big cage, I'm in a cage, picture it with me if you can. Go there in your mind. If you take a really big cage and you push it out of the jungle, you open it up, a couple things will happen. One, the tiger will not leave. He will not leave the cage. That's the first one. Second, if the tiger leaves the cage, it comes back to the cage at night. Why? Because tigers associate humans with food. Not the way you'd think as an ar 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 your food, but in the way that, like, you feed me, and so therefore I'm coming back to you, right? They don't have this instinct of, like, running and hunting for their food. Now, some of them get it, and, and it happens 30%, but 70% of them, you know, die without that instinct, or it's unsuccessful. Because though the, the cage is open, there's something about that captivity that feels comfortable, right? Tiger's in the cage. Every day it gets its steak or whatever they feed tigers now. I don't know, like... Who knows? I don't, I'm not even going to guess. Uh, steak. Let's stick with steak. They got their steak and their water, and they have their, like, fluffy bed, and they have their bedding. Maybe they'll get, like, a toy tossed in every once in a while they can play with. Maybe if they're really lucky, they're going to get, you know, bread. So there's, like, a girl tiger in there. So it's like they, they have, like, everything that, you know, the world would say they would need, right? Food, shelter, and, you know, a couple other options. And so the tiger feels good in that security. And so when you open up the gate and put the tiger into the wild, even though it's meant to like roar and run and hunt things and you know there's just a whole myriad of steak out here it just has legs and fur on it and you have to chase it it doesn't know and in fact what happens is when it gets unsure or scared or afraid or if it's night usually it just comes back into the cage because so many animals get confused they confuse safety they believe it's safe but it's actually just slavery, right? They, they see their slavery as security and their captors as their providers. It's even harder with animals that are born in captivity. Like an animal that's born in captivity has very little, if not no chance of ever being released into the wild. So here you have this amazing tiger that's, that's created. It was created to run and roar, to be powerful, to be powerful in its natural environment. It was created to have just this power and authority. Like tigers have an authority. If you're in the jungle and you see a tiger, there'd be a clear hierarchy of authority almost immediately, right? I'm down here. I'm about to be inside its stomach. Like, there would be a very clear authority. There, there's a power and authority, and yet there's something that becomes conditioned in the tiger's mind through time to embrace this slavery masquerading as security to be like, I got my steak and my water and my comfy bed and my magazines and occasionally a girl tiger in here. And so I'm good. Like, this is the best life. This is prime. Not only to want it, but to strive for it, to desire it. So when freedom is offered, it's considered ridiculous. It's considered going hungry. It's considered living in want. It's, it's unwanted. Well, I'll just, I'll just go back here because they've been conditioned. I've been, we've been, in, you know, quarantined. Some of you guys, some of you guys are even watching online. You're still in shelter in place, and you might really identify physically with uh, captive animals. Like, you know, when you go and you see, I like the Arizona exhibit at the zoo, but the mountain lion is always just doing this back and forth. It literally doesn't do anything than this, and then just like, 
grunt and I don't know, not, it's not purring, it's a weird sound. And it just walks back and forth. How many of you have done this? Like, I can't watch any more Netflix, but I also can't stand to be around my kids in this house anymore. And I can't clean anything. I don't have any money. I can't go anywhere. Like, I, I'm working, but I'm not working. I don't want my boss to know I'm not really working even though I'm working. But also, I'm furloughed, and I don't have a job. I don't have any money. I can't go anywhere. And it's just like, you're like wearing a whole, like, you know physically, you know what I'm talking about. Next time you go to the zoo, you're going to see that mountain lion and be like, I get you. Like, we are the same, you and I. <laughs> I, get, I get your state of mind. But can I tell you, so many of us are spiritually, spiritually like that tiger in a cage. Maybe not physically. Maybe physically you sense a, a sense of freedom, but spiritually we're like this captive animal. See, what you may or may not know is that we all live in a captivity of sin. At one point in our life we've been captive uh, to the bondage of sin. But you might not know this, that Christ has come and he has actually removed the gate that holds you in to the captivity of sin. But the hard part is we still won't go out. When we do go out, we're so inclined to go back. Here's what I mean is that there, there, we live in a broken world. We're broken people. We have sin and shame in our life, and it's built this captivity for us where we have been separated from the love of God because of the bondage of sin, the brokenness. God is pure and righteous and holy, and he deeply loves us, and yet we've been separated from that relationship because of our sin, because of our brokenness, not because God's character changed or was different, but because of the separation of sin. That's the lie of the enemy that keeps you captive in sin. So God's sends his son Jesus Christ to be the debt, to pay the debt of our sin, to remove that separation. He literally rips that door off on the cross. He rips that door that, that's a separation off of the captivity and he throws it into the farthest ocean. You will never see it. You can't find it. It is done. It's completed. It's torn off. It's destroyed. And he gives us in this moment this amazing access to the freedom of relationship. And this is what is so important is he is all already done that, already destroyed it, and he gives us that freedom, and yet so many of us will continue to go back in the cage, right? It was a hard day at work. It's a hard day at work. So you know what's really comfortable? My cage. It's really comfortable. It's got a nice bed. It's got the things I like to satisfy myself with when I'm tired. It's got all that in there, though. It's got that nice steak. It's got those nice things. It's funny the things we think feel so good that are actually part of our captivity. Like, ah, oh, but it's got this really delicious bitterness in here. I just love to go back and eat this bitterness when I'm having a hard day. I just, I find myself back there. It's like, mmm, bitterness, anger, lust, greed, all of these things. And yet, we miss the beauty of what God's come to do because God has not just come to rescue us, tearing the, the separation down, tearing that gate off. He has come to bring us into relationship. God has come to do more than just rescue you. He's come to have a relationship with you. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me today? Are you hearing me today? Good. You drove to church. Be ready to hear the Word of God. You came to church. You got up. You made it here. Get your heart ready because it, it's time. This is important. God came 
to do more than rescue you. He came to have a relationship with you. The salvation of Jesus Christ is more than just to rip that gate off, but to leave you in chains, to rip that, that separation out, but to leave you in captivity, to rip that separation out, but to leave you there. A caged lion is still a lion. A caged tiger is still a tiger. It doesn't change the identity per se, but it changes the possibility because you were created to be powerful. You were created to live in an intent, to have a relationship, to have an authority, to have a power and a freedom that goes beyond this caged thing. And yet so often we fall back into it. But God's saying, listen, today I came to remind you that I came to do more than just rescue you. I came to have a relationship with you. Let's read some scripture together. Amen. Amen. Let's do it. First John uh, chapter three. If you got your Bible, open up. It's towards the back. Uh, if you're watching online, you can click. There's a Bible tab. If you have the Bible app, click the one that says First John. There's, if you've never opened the Bible app or the Bible, there's a book called John. Don't go there because you'll read something different than us. Go to First John or One John, depending on how you like to read those. But One John three. It's towards the back. If you get to Revelation, you've gone too far. That's a good rule of thumb. First John 3 says this. One of my favorite verses. If you're a Bible underliner, underline this. I love underlining my Bible. It says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Whew. I love that scripture. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. This is the foundation of everything. Everything that we're going to read following after this must rest on this foundation. Because John is going to say some very powerful things about sin and about righteousness. And if you don't have the foundation, that you're going to go home like feeling like you have to earn your way into heaven. So you have to have this as the foundation or else you shift into this workspace doctrine where it's like, I got to prove myself. The foundation's important. Uh, when they built this building over here, the first thing that they did in order to build up six stories is what? They dug down three because they had to build a foundation. They had to build a structure. They had to build pillars to stand on. The pillar of the hope and stepping out of the cave and into righteousness. Sorry, camera guy, I'm all over today. Stepping into the righteousness is the foundation that we are children of God. And I love that it says God calls us children. So we are. What an awesome way to say if God says it, it's true. You're like, yeah, but my, my, my parents said this about me. My friends have said this about my identity. I've said this to myself. Well, God's in charge. And if he says you're his children through Christ, you're his children. So we are. It's, like, it's kind of like a non-negotiable. Like I tell my kids, like, no, I've said that, so that's happening. <laughs> it's the same thing, right? Like he's saying, so we are. We, we are children of God. And so that's that, that's that foundation that has to exist, because if we tilt up all this understanding, all these walls, and really, really good structure about sin and righteousness and, and how we live and walk in the way of Christ, but it's not rooted in the foundation, that doesn't last very long, right? Even Arizona soil that's super hard and compact, if you tilt up, you know, these really, really great walls that are really solid and amazing, but they don't have a good foundation, it doesn't matter how successful they are, they're going to fall 
fall down. The same thing is true, and what John is about to share is it has to rest on this idea that God loves us. And I love the word that the NIV uses because when you're translating a word that has multiple meanings and all of them are, are correct, sometimes people will press into a certain translation to get the... Um, the feeling, the emotion, the thought of what's happening. So some are more literal, some are more thought for thought. The NIV says, look at the love God has lavished upon us. I like the word lavished. That's nice, right? Because you can give somebody anything, right? You can give someone like a speeding ticket or a disease or, you know, it's like you can give somebody anything. I'm just saying. But you don't like lavish speeding tickets on people, right? Like, look at the love the Father's given us. He's just lavished corona on us, right? Like, it just wouldn't make sense. Like, they would just be disassociated. Because in lavish is this idea of extravagance, of beautiful, of desirable, and almost of worth, too. Like, it's not like they lavish dirt on their beloved. It, like, that's kind of weird. It sounds like an emo song. Uh, but it, it's, it's, it has an idea of worth, so it's that like God lavished it. And I, and I think, again, I... I I say this to address what I feel like is a concerning, growing, bad theology, which is this idea that God doesn't intimately love you, that God so loved the world, you're part of the world, and because God came to fulfill and do what he needed to do, that God had, like, his mission, and you were, like, this positive collateral damage in that mission. And you're like, maybe to you that sounds crazy. I've heard people say that, like, oh, well, you know, God loved the world, and, you know, like, but... You know, that was like he had to do this. This was part of his plan. And I'm kind of just kind of absorbed up into the plan. I'm kind of like sucked up into the plan. Sure, if you want to take the most beautiful thing ever and make it super lame, then yes, that would be true. But the reality is that God intimately and deeply cares for you. He intimately and deeply lavishes his love upon you. Yes, you happen to be a part of the world. Yes, he happens to be God. And yes, this whole thing is really about him. Like, but at the end of the day, he deeply, deeply, deeply loves you. You are his child. And the more that we understand our role as a child of God, the more we will understand how to live in the freedom with God and not back here in the captivity of sin. Are you still with me? Yes. Okay, well, let's keep going then. We're going to come back to this idea of we're children of God. We'll circle back to it at the end. So store it in your heart and your mind. Uh, keep that as a foundation. Let's build some stuff on it. Can we do that? We're going to get our Lincoln Logs of Scripture out here, and we're going to stack them up, build something good. Here we go. First John 3, verse 2. Beloved, or beloved, whatever you want. We are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So this is important. This is to give you a little sigh of relief before what he's about to slam on, which is kind of heavy, if I'm going to be honest. So he's going to give you a little sigh of relief, which is like, listen, I know you're not finished yet. And more importantly, God knows you're not finished yet. So don't approach this next part feeling like you have to be perfect but approach it in pursuit of a perfect God. Do you understand the difference? Very important. He's saying, listen, God's going to come back. In the end, God wins. Right? In the end, God wins. 
In the end, you know, all suffering's wiped away. In the end, we're in heaven with him. In the end, you know, he's doing that. But right now, he's doing a specific work in our life. And that work is to make us more like Christ. The, the plan of God from the beginning is for you to become more like Christ. All the things that we do in spiritual development, the reason we have small groups is to sharpen one another. Not so that we can report more numbers to some, I don't know where you, where everybody seems to think we report these to. I don't know. They keep saying, like, yeah, for the numbers. Like, who do you think I send them to? It's like a numbers thing. I'm trying to get a magazine. Like, nope. I care that you are more like Christ. And that's what he's saying here. He's like, the goal is to become more like Christ. So here's what he's saying. Here's part of how we live. Following Christ affects how you live your life. 1 John 3, 4. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Here's why we have the foundation of Christ. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Y'all feel like there's some strong language here, right? When you read these, do you ever go like, okay, a little, a little scary. <laughs> Just me? No one who keeps on sinning has seen God. Like, you ever read that? Okay, good. We're on the same page. If we could just be honest at church and say those are real emotions where you read this and go like, never sin. You're like, well, cool. I've already failed, right? <laughs> but we have this foundation. It's very important. I'm going to explain. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Okay, let me explain this. This is so important. Jesus destroyed the works of the devil. This is what he's speaking on right now. Jesus destroyed the works of the devil. He's talking about the conflict of living a life of sin and living a life with Christ. Committing to sin or committing to Christ. He's, he's bringing an obvious contrast here and he's making it very strong because there were false teachers saying it doesn't matter how you live. And John was saying, no, it super matters how you live your life if you want to live with Christ if you want to live in freedom. So he's saying it's about the life. But he says something so important here. Jesus destroyed the works of the devil. If you have notes, I want you to write that down because I want you to, to visually understand the importance of Jesus destroyed the works of the devil. Not Jesus will destroy the works of the devil. Not Jesus could destroy the works of the of the devil jesus destroyed the works of the devil what are the works of the devil well it's it's lies and sin right the enemy comes to steal kill and destroy jesus says but i have come that you might have life and have it to the fullest john 10 10 see since the beginning the lie of the enemy was to put you in the captivity of sin. see adam and eve at the beginning they were walking in unity with christ in the garden think about that Think about your options. Living in unity with God. You can just walk up and just ask him questions. I don't understand this animal. Please explain. How many of you would love to do that right now? I don't know why you made it this shape and why it smells like this. Come on, be real. <laughs> Please tell me why scorpions exist, Lord. They had all these options to walk in unity, most importantly in relationship with God, right? All joking aside. They, they had this option, and yet the enemy comes and lies to them and says, you know what, over here, if you do this, if you 
are part of this, if you get this wisdom, man, that's, that's really the key. That's really going to secure you. That's really the wisdom. See, God doesn't want you to have this. And through sin, he puts us into slavery. Right? This cage of slavery. And, and we have things in there, the things that we nourish ourselves with, the things that, that we like, the things that make us feel good about our captivity. Maybe he slides you in a magazine. You're like, oh, yeah, but it's like, you know, it's good. Like, I feel good in here. I feel good in my sin. But God says, no, you weren't created to live in captivity. You were created to live in a relationship with me. And so when Jesus comes, he rips that door off of the cage. Think about this. When Jesus went to the cross, he destroyed the hold of sin. And when Jesus ro rose from the grave, he destroyed the hold of death. It says in Revelation 1, 18, Jesus says, in his words, I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys to death and to hell. Whew, Jesus is not waiting to destroy the lies of the enemy. He's not waiting to destroy the, the, the separation of sin that because of the brokenness has kept us from the beautiful relationship of God. He's not waiting to destroy the hold of death and hell. He already has the keys. You own something when you got the keys. He has them in his hands, and he rises up and he says, I have destroyed. He had to, I didn't just come to crack it open. If you've been in a cave, of, and, and a slavery of bitterness and shame and sin and lust and greed and selfishness and pride. It's not like Jesus came and like stuck a toe in. He literally rips it off the hinges and just wings that thing out into the ocean. He destroys it. He crushes it. You could search for a million years and you would not find that gate. You could hide in the cage every day, but you can't make the gate. You can't find the gate. You can't close the gate. It's done. It's destroyed. The number one tool that the enemy uses is to convince you that in this nothingness there is a separation. But there is no separation between you and God when Jesus has come and done the work of destroying it. You don't need someone to go into the Holy of Holies for you. You don't need someone to be your mediator for you. You don't need someone to go before you. You already have received the victory that comes through Jesus Christ. The question is, will you stay in here? Or will you step into righteousness? Jesus has already come. S uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that through him we might be the righteousness of God. See, this is what John is trying to say. Righteousness, the pursuit of righteousness, is the opposite of the pursuit of sin. So when Christ died, he covered us with his righteousness. When God looks at us, when he judges the world, he does not see our sin. He sees the blood of Jesus and his righteousness covering us. So he's saying, listen, since that's true, since you've received real freedom, don't go back to the cage. Don't go back to the slave. Could you imagine? Could you imagine Free Willy? You guys remember that movie Free Willy? If he jumped over and it was like, yes. And he was like, no, just jump right back. <laughs> Do you imagine that movie ended? <laughs> it's like, yeah. Then like immediately the whale was like, this is cold, and then just jumped back in. They gave me fish here. I didn't have to chase them. They were just dead for me. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny how we'll go back thinking that our captivity is our provider, thinking that our slavery is our security? And he's saying, listen, don't go back to the slavery of sin. Pursue righteousness. 
1 John 3, verse 9. You still with me? Good, good, good. You're doing a great job. If you're still with me online, say amen and uh, say, I love you, Patrick, as he's commenting. <laughs> no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. By this is it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor uh, is the one who does not love his brother. Now, you have to know that John is speaking to believers here. He is not, if you, if you have not received the love of Christ, John is not here calling you the devil or the child of the devil, like son of Satan. That's not what he's doing. He's speaking to people who have received the hope of Jesus Christ and saying, you have a choice of who you serve. You have a choice of what you pursue. Since Jesus has freed you from the slavery of sin, he's saying something very clearly, pursue righteousness. Now, you're not going to be perfect, but you can pursue important difference. I bring that up all the time. You will not be perfect. You're, you're a person. But pursue righteousness. Since Jesus removed this gate to your slavery, you can now step out like the awesome tiger that you are. <laughs> but you have to choose to pursue it. you got to choose to make that step. See, a caged tiger, a caged lion is still a lion, but it's definitely not the powerful, ferocious fullness that God created it to be. Amen? The same thing is true for you. Isn't it crazy how often we find ourselves back there? Isn't it crazy how often we find ourselves back in this, like, this bitterness? It's just like this, it's this old slavery, and we just find, isn't it crazy how find, often we find ourselves back in this, this lust and this greed, that old slavery? You ever found, you're like, oh, man, why am I, why am I back here? Yeah, I mean, I, I got the steak and the water, and it feels comfortable, but this isn't what I'm created to do. This isn't who I'm created to be. This is not who God has called me to be. This is slavery, my old sin, my old life, my old way. This is just slavery. This is captivity. I'm not created to live in captivity. I'm meant to, to roar and to run and to be free and to walk in the fullness of what God's given me. And yes, I don't know what's out there in the, in the wilderness of life, but, I, but, but I'm called out. I'm called out to something significant. I'm called out to pursue righteousness. And I think that term slavery is so important as, as an allegorical term because I think we have so misunderstood freedom as a culture. I blame postmodernism. If you don't know what postmodernism is, count yourself blessed. <laughs> this is my philosophy major coming up. <laughs> but I blame it because what we have done is we have thought that the choice of freedom is a choice of whether I will choose. Right, so, so we think that freedom as a culture, this is what we think freedom, we think that freedom is a choice of whether or not we will serve something. Like I'm an autonomous being, so I have the freedom to choose whether I will serve something. But any study, scientific, uh, of human beings or of life or of history would say that that is not a choice that exists. And when we look biblically, we would say that's not the choice that exists either. The choice is not whether you will or will not serve something. The choice is who or what you will serve. See, we misunderstand. We think freedom is, is the choice to choose whether we will serve or won't serve, whether we're going to have a master or not have a master. But that's not true. The real choice of freedom that exists because of the choice that we're actually faced with is who or what we will actually submit and give our lives to. 
Let me, I think Paul does an amazing job explaining uh, this allegory of, of slavery. So I'm going to go there. Romans 6, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. If you're going in the New Testament in that order, flip real quick. Romans 6. Or it'll be on the screen, in which case you can just watch it. It says this. What then? Paul just described uh, all kinds of grace and the law and all these things, but this is powerful. He says, what then? Are we to sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'll explain that in a second. And he says this, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. Okay. For just as you once presented your members as slavery to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. I like this. Paul uses an allegory of slavery and very wisely almost immediately says the allegory breaks down at some point. Anytime you use an allegory, like, it's going to break down eventually. I think it's a bold allegory, personally. Paul's a very bold person. I think it's a bold to use an allegory of slavery when you're talking to a population that would have had actual slaves in it. Like, it feels bold to use it right now. <laughs> but really, then, imagine looking at a slave and be like, yeah, you know slavery. They'd be like, yeah, thanks for reminding me, man. Right? Like, yeah, every day. But there, we all can, uh, even if you've never been a slave or in slavery, you, we can all at least in some way, shape, or form understand the allegory of slavery. Because when you're a slave, how many rights do you have? None. Except what might be granted to you. But you don't personally choose any of those. You are fully submitted in the entirety of your being to something. And so what, what Paul is trying to use is the same understanding that John is to say, listen, we need to be honest. We are going to give our hearts and our minds and our bodies and our beings fully to something. You will be a slave to something. See, the lie of the world is like that we are much more independent and much more uh, understanding and separate from ourselves and much more logical. But the reality is that we will submit the fullness of our mind and our hearts and our longings to something. And Paul is saying, listen, you used to just submit it to sin, to be a slave to sin. And he very cleverly, because Paul is like this, asks, uh, what fruit did that bring you? Just because I'm curious. And then he answers it and he goes, shame. Like they knew. He says, you used to be enslaved. You used to be enslaved to these things in this cage. You used to be in this space. What fruit did that bring? Just more captivity. Yeah, you had some mild provision from your captor. But what did it bring you? Just shame. You were a slave. But Romans 6.20 says, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. You didn't have to worry about it. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul and John, they're trying to get us to, to, to understand kind of the same thing, right? Which is you are going to submit your heart to something, to someone. The choice is not whether or not you will have a master. The choice is what you will serve with your life. Will I serve the flesh, and will I serve sin, or will I serve Christ? See, freedom from sin does not mean freedom from choice. 
That doesn't mean freedom from consequences, freedom from morality, freedom from holiness. Freedom is actually a call to make a better choice. I talk to people all the time who are like, yeah, I just, I just couldn't serve a God who's going to, like, force me to choose him. I'm like, no, that's not the God you, you would serve at all. You serve a God who is giving you a choice. See, the tiger enslaved captivity with the gate closed and the bars shut, how much choice does he have? Now, he thinks he has choice, choice to eat the food given to him, choice to drink the water given to him, choice to lay on the bed given to him, choice to choose to pee on that bed or throw it through the wall or chew up the toy or kill another tiger in the cage, right? Thinks that, and that's so much choice to that tiger because the tiger doesn't understand choice. That's not a choice. That's called coping. See, God has given us a choice. See, because when we're in the captivity of sin, we're locked into one choice, and that's to be separated from God for all eternity. But when Jesus comes, and he removes that separation, and he calls us into relationship, he gives us now a true and free choice to choose salvation, and choose Christ, and choose to submit our hearts, or to choose the flesh. Are you with me? This is important. God does not coerce you to choose. He's the only reason you have a choice. People say, well, I, I don't like the fact that God has to choose. You know, like, if I don't choose God, then he's just going to send me to hell. It's like, no, no, no. You were going to hell. God is the reason you get to go to heaven. Right? Like, I'm I, in my sin and my brokenness, have separated myself from God. Sin is real. My brokenness, you might not believe it, but let me, I'll just speak for myself then for a minute. I'm a broken, sinful person. And in my sin, I'm separated from a perfect God. But because of Jesus Christ, I have the option to step into that relationship with him and draw near to him. I couldn't make that choice if it were not for Jesus. I could try by, like, observing the law, like, you know, like Israel. I'm not Jewish, so I'd have a really hard time, right? But even then, it's just to show the shortcoming and the need for a Savior. The reality is that God is the reason that we have a choice. God is the reason you have the free will to choose to reject Him. His love is the reason you have the choice to reject His love. Before, it just didn't really matter. You're just in the cage. That'd be like a tiger in a cage saying, well, yeah, I don't want to be out there. You're like, you wouldn't be if you wanted to. It's because of the freedom that you have received that you now have a choice to step out and receive. God has given you this choice to say, listen, the, the separation is gone. The, the gate is gone. What's holding me back is gone. And now I can choose to step out into righteousness in pursuit of Christ and receive the freedom, receive the hope, receive the peace, receive the joy, receive the restoration, and receive the eternal life that comes from him. God has given you that choice. He's given you that choice. But we have this tug of war. We all have this tug of war. Because we want to live outside the cage because it sounds good. But we also want to live in the cage because it feels comfortable. We want to live in our captivity because it feels comfortable. It's like, man, it's been a hard, hard day. We say, like, oh, yeah, my day really triggered me. So then I, like, got whatever it might be. It was somebody at work or maybe it was... Uh, 
you know, loss in your family. I mean, real stuff. I'm not, you know, making light of the struggles of mankind, but we, we want to stay kind of like one foot in and want to poke our head out. You know, like we're still in captivity, but we like know what to say at small group. We're like, we're still in captivity, but we know how to look at worship night. We're still in captivity, but we know like the right things to text the pastor so that like, you know, I know like you're not backsliding. You're just like, haven't been around for six weeks, whatever it might be. You know, like, you know, like what to do, but you're not really out here. I've been there. We've all been in that mode of feeling the comfort of our captivity, but not stepping out into the righteousness, and yet God has called us to step out into righteousness. Paul and John both say you cannot, and Jesus too, you cannot serve two masters. you got to choose. Will I choose sin and captivity or righteousness and freedom? And the fruit of choosing freedom and righteousness, though the road is narrow, the fruit is peace, the fruit is joy, the fruit is freedom, and the fruit is eternal life. I, I think sometimes, though, sometimes we make this mistake, is that uh, sometimes we don't let the allegory of slavery still be an allegory. And we focus so much that, like, I'm a slave. I'm a slave to righteousness. I'm a slave to sin. <laughs> that we feel like that's how we have to come before God. Anyone ever, like, crawled back to God? Like, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. Like, you got to come out of the cage. You're like, I'm so sorry. Just, I'll just do whatever. I just, I'll sit at your feet. I'll, like, clean up the scraps of heaven. I'll take out the cherubs, diapers, whatever you want me to do. <laughs> just, like, let me into the kingdom of God. <laughs> So often, right, like I meet with people be like, how, you know, what should my, you know, what should like my punishment be for doing this, you know? I'm like, well, we don't have like Hail Marys or anything, so I don't know, just serve God, <laughs> like receive his love. But like we, we live in this space as people where we just feel like we should be punished. I'm not saying consequences don't exist, but I'm saying we live in this space where we feel like, yes, go out and uh, scourge yourself five times on the back, give out 152 sandwiches, and then we shall receive you into the kingdom and you will be a child of God again. But that's so clearly not who God is. You might be thinking, man, I, I live in this space of captivity, and I just need to crawl back to God and ask him to forgive me. I'm, I'm blowing it. I'm lost. I'm broken. Man, is he even going to take me back again? Like, I, I've, I've come back to the Lord multiple times, and I've, I've stepped into that, and I just feel like I've just disappointed him. And I, I know he's, he's probably disappointed in me because I'm back here, and I just, oh, man, I just I feel like I'm in this space, and I let the Lord down again. It's like, you know what? I'm not even going to bother him because, like, he knows I'm just going to be back here again. And we feel in this space, and that's how depression comes in, you just feel it speaking to you, like, yeah, man, you should just stay there. You're going to be back here anyways. Like, you should just stay in this place. You guys felt this? You know what I'm talking about, right? But we got to go back to the foundation. What was the foundation? We are children of God. See, that's the foundation. The call is to righteousness. But he's already called us children of God tiger out here is a tiger in here, a child of God out here is a child of God in there, but he's called us to righteousness, and he said, listen, you are my child, and I want to read you one more set of scripture that is my favorite, one of my most favorite sets of scripture in the whole Bible. I want to read it for you this morning, and I'm going to invite the band up as well. Luke 15, if you bought your Bible, open up. Uh, if not, I'm just going to ask you to do something a little different today. I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes with me. Don't fall asleep. If you're a person, if you close your eyes, you're going to fall asleep. Then crank them open. Stay open. 
Uh, if you're online and you're on a comfy couch and uh, the Lord's starting to convict you and move your heart, and right about now is the time where you get up and go refill your water bottle or you go to the bathroom because right about the time God starts moving on your life, the enemy's like, hey, what if we just go get some more water? Listen, let the living water fill you. Stay in your place if you're watching online because you need to hear this. Don't get lost. Stay in this moment, and, uh, you know, you can run out and go pee afterwards. But this is important. You need to hear this. You need to hear this. Luke 15, verse 11. And he said, meaning Jesus, Jesus says, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that's coming to me. And so he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went away, and he hired himself to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say this to him. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but treat me as one of your hired servants. It says, and he arose, and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. I love this. The son is in this captivity. He recognizes it, and he begins to step out to come to his father. But he takes such a lowly position, and he rehearses in his mind. He says, I'm going to go to my dad, and I'm just going to say, Dad, all I deserve is to be your servant. Can you picture that moment in your life where you've stepped out, but you're like, you know what, God, I don't deserve to be your child. I don't deserve to be near you. I just, I'm, I'm just going to, you know what, I'm going to get the scraps down here. I'm going to stay down here. I'm going to stay down this. And he rehearses this conversation over and over and over and over. He's rehearsing this conversation. Conversation. But when he begins to say it to the father, the father cuts him off immediately. He doesn't even get to finish his own statement. He doesn't even get to finish undercutting his own self-worth. He doesn't even begin to finish undercutting his position in the kingdom. Immediately, the father says to him, bring the best because it's time to celebrate. This is us. We rehearse that line over and over, and we feel like we've been living in brokenness and hurt and pain. We feel like we've been living in that space. We somehow feel unworthy to receive 
the fullness that God has given us and called us. And we say, man, if I could just be a slave in the kingdom, if I could just be a servant, I'll just be lowly. I know other people, they're so spiritual. They've got it all figured out. They have such a great anointing. But me, you know, I'm probably going to have to, like, earn my way back in. I'm going to have to, like, you know, show that I'm worth it. I'm going to have to show Pastor Josh that, like, I love the Lord. I'm going to have to show Jesus that, you know, like, I really value the, the community. So i got to, like, earn my way in before I can get any of that anointing stuff, before I can be a child of God. Oh my gosh, if you knew what I knew and what I've done, you would never, ever call me a child of God. And what's amazing is the Lord just cuts you off and he's like, listen, bring the robe, bring the ring, bring the place of honor, bring the call of childhood because we're going to celebrate you. God came for more than a rescue. He came for a relationship with you today. He came more than to just tear the door off your captivity. He came to call you out to righteousness. He came to give you a choice, and you're here this morning to make that choice. Will I step back into the brokenness, or will I step out into the righteousness, and will I pursue it? I know I'm not going to be perfect. I know I'm going to make mistakes, but I'm never going to have to crawl back to God. I just run to him, and he runs to me, and he embraces me, and he lavishes his love upon me, and he gives me all of his care and all of his affection and he exalts me into the inheritance that is being a child of God and I might say God I've squandered my inheritance God I've squandered my opportunities God I've squandered your grace and I've squandered relationships and yet in that moment God has said I'm here to lavish my love on you would you make the choice today to pursue righteousness to say listen it matters how I live and I've been in captivity but I'm stepping out I'm receiving the call and I'm stepping in to righteousness today I know it's not going to be easy. I know the call to follow God is a narrow road. And yet I believe today that as I step into righteousness, as I choose to pursue him, as I commit my heart to him, as I reject the slavery to sin, that I will see the fruit of joy, that I will see the, the, the fruit of peace, that I will see the fruit of salvation and, and of eternal life. Thank you, Jesus, for sending your salvation for me. Thank you for for coming for me, for dying for me. And I choose today to step in the righteousness to pursue you. Run to the Father. Do not step out of the cage. Run out and run to his embrace today. Would you stand with me? And we're going to pray together. Today we're going to end. I want to pray for you. And then our worship band's going to sing this song uh, called No Longer a Slave. And it, and it just so clearly talks about all that God has done. But also it declares over your life that you are no longer a slave to fear, to the unknown, both finite and eternal. But that you are a child of God. Today I want to invite you to close your eyes, bow your heads with me. I want to pray for you two things. The first is if you have never received the hope and healing of Jesus Christ. You've, you've never experienced that. You never made that choice. In fact, you thought it was like something crazy. Like you had to like get like a rosary and certain beads and go through a thing and confirmation before you. But now you're realizing in this moment that nope, it just begins with a heart that says yes to Jesus and begins a relationship. And in that moment, you receive the hope and healing that comes from him. And you're like, wow, you know what? I don't want to go another second, another minute without the hope and healing of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you today, he can do a miracle in your life. 
So with your eyes closed and your head bowed, those of you who are watching online, in just a second, we're going to have a button that you can click that will take you to a form where you can put your name and info so we can pray with you. So wherever you are, if you're here in this place, I'm going to invite you in just a second to raise your hand to respond. If you're online, you can click that link. But if that's you and you've never made that decision today, we want to celebrate you like the Father because God's running to you today. He wants to embrace you today. He wants to do a miracle in your life and bring hope and healing right now, wherever you are. If that's you and you're saying, I'm ready to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you've said yes before, but you have not lived in righteousness. You have not pursued him. You have not run after him. And you're saying, I got a former religion, but I definitely don't have the hope and healing and the freedom and the power. And so, you know what? I'm just saying, Jesus, I commit my life to you. If that's you this morning and you want to commit and say, Jesus, I'm saying yes to you as my Lord and Savior. Would you just lift your hand up this morning? Every eye closed and head bowed. Lift your hand up and put it back down and we're going to pray for you. Thank you. Just put it back down. I want to pray for you this morning. I'm just going to pray, and I, I'm going to say some words. I just encourage you to repeat them as a way of just confessing your heart to the Lord and just say them in your heart uh, today, and we're going to celebrate you. But, God, um, we're going to pray together. So just repeat after me. Just pray, dear Jesus, I give you my heart. Thank you for dying for me taking my sins upon the cross I give you my heart and I receive your love and I choose to follow you for the rest of my life in Jesus name Amen I want to pray one more thing every eye close head bow if you're in this moment this morning and you've been in that place of captivity and slavery to sin and you're saying, you know what, today is my day to step out and pursue righteousness. You know in this moment you need the strength of the Holy Spirit to strengthen you. You need the renewal when you feel tired, don't want to fall back. It, 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 this is not saying by your own strength, but saying I'm pressing into the Holy Spirit. But you're saying today, I need to make a step to live righteously in pursuit of Christ. I need to live righteously. I, uh, the, the door is gone, but I've been living in that cage for far too long, and I need to step out. It's time for me to roar and to run and to live in the freedom of Jesus Christ in my life. Today I'm making that choice. I'm just going to invite you, just lift your hands up with me if you're saying, I'm taking a step to pursue righteousness this morning, and I'm going to pray with you in this place. Dear Jesus, I thank you for these hands who are raised that have said, in this moment, I'm pursuing righteousness. Jesus, this is what you are about right now, is those who would say, in obedience, I pursue you, God. And God, I don't know all the answers in this moment, but in this space, I say, I don't want to live in the captivity of sin. I want to live in the righteousness of God. So I pray right now, as they make that choice to press into you, I pray you would confirm it through the Holy Spirit. I pray that there would be a strength in their pursuit of you that comes from the Holy Spirit. I pray there would be a renewal that comes from the Holy Spirit. I I pray there would be an encouragement and there would be a way making through the Holy Spirit in those places that seem hard and difficult. I pray there would be a confirmation of their identity as children of God today. And God, as we declare and sing that we are not a slave to fear, but we are children of God, I pray that you would draw in a deeper revelation of the hope and healing of Jesus Christ into their hearts today. And we choose today, God, to pursue righteousness in the name of Jesus. We're stepping out. You're calling us 
us out, God. You're calling us to greater things. You're calling us to full purpose. You're calling us to freedom. And so today, as Banner Church, we're choosing to step out and to step into righteousness today, God, and to pursue righteousness. If there's any sin that would hold us back, we repent. We lay it at your feet. We just thank you for a chance to repent because repentance means a change of mind or heart. So we repent of all sin and unrighteousness, and we choose the joy and the freedom, and we rejoice that in you there is always hope and healing, hope for every future, and healing for every past. In the name of Jesus, let's worship together. Amen.